Welcome to She Plus Me, a podcast that inspires and celebrates personal and professional growth. I'll be your host, Nora Bade, founder of She Plus Me, an educational lifestyle brand. After going through my own wild journey of discovering my most authentic self through mind, body, and soul, I've been discovering what it takes to find your passion and to live your most authentic life. This is the place to be to dig into real and raw conversations with radiant souls, from everything natural beauty to holistic health, deep healing, personal growth, and building a purposeful life. Every single one of us has the ability to build extraordinary lives, and this podcast is going to help you get there. Welcome back, everyone, and I'm so excited to have on the show today, Jessica Whipper. You might also know her as at Mapping Wellness on Instagram. Since her diagnosis with a chronic illness, she's made it her mission to educate her followers about wellness and the journey she's been on. Throughout the way, she's documented it all. Welcome, Jessica. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) I'm excited to have you. It's really funny because I feel like I've known you like a lifetime, even though we just met like physically. No, I feel the same. (laughs) We talk like every day. I'm excited to talk about your journey. So can you tell me a little bit about your childhood and growing up? Yeah, of course. So I was actually born in Germany. I was born in Oberhofen, which is like a half hour from Frankfurt. Um, And I lived there for a while. My father actually still lives there and my mom immigrated to Canada with us. So um, I had this really neat childhood where I I got to experience what it was like to immigrate, but also live in between two countries. Mm -hmm. And it it taught me a lot because I got to take whatever I wanted from each culture, um, which was really, really neat. And then living in Canada, we moved to Cape Breton and I lived there with my mother, who is an environmental engineer. And she's very, very into health and wellness, but the idea that you can control your health Mm -hmm. um, and healing with the earth and the environment and from natural sources. So I kind of grew up with a really strong opinion on wellness. Um, I had a lot of thoughts and I thought, you know, for example, that taking medication was weak and kind of like a crutch. And now I, I, I realize that there is a time and place where it can be really helpful. So um, it was really neat to grow up from kind of like the natural wellness perspective and be put into a position where I had to kind of incorporate some Western medicine into my life because I could not get by without it. Um, so again, I was breaking down a lot of walls. Um, yeah, I grew up with my brother as well. So we lived on a little hobby farm and we did lots of our own things, cultivating our own stuff and like eating from the earth. And um, we would, you know, pick different roots to make creams out of and just things that really, really still matter to me. I love that. Yeah. We used to say um, uh, when you're eating, you're either either feeding disease or fighting disease. Oh, that's a good... Yeah. And it it has changed a lot throughout, you know, my opinion has kind of shifted, especially with chronic illness. I think things are really circumstantial in the end, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's true. The things you put in your body matter. And I don't understand like growing up with that mindset, watching people, you know, stuff their faces or mindlessly eat. Everyone eats junk. I do as well. I mean, we're all guilty of it. Exactly. But it's what you're doing as a practice. Um, Yeah. And that was a really, really big twist between like growing up 
in Europe somewhat and in Canada somewhat, the cultural divide isn't large, like in some other places, but it's definitely evident to me, the yeah. differences. I Even something as little as plastic bags, we didn't have them there. Really? <laughs> and then moving to Cape Breton and, oh, the first store to plan, ban plastic bags. Yeah. I remember my mother being like, okay, you're like, 10 years late. <laughs> I mean, Halifax is 10 years late to everything. But but yeah, so that was very, very interesting for sure. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. So what's different from like both lifestyles, would you say? Yeah, I, w- I would say that in Germany, it's uh, there's definitely a lot of business focus. There's the hustle culture is, I would say, probably even more intense over there. But environmentally, there's just a lot more environmental practices, but there's also a lot more stuff going on to better society and the way we live. So they're doing different things to drinking water. They're mm-hmm. treating their foods differently. They're not spraying wheat. That's why I can eat bread there and not here because yeah. you have sensitivity to different things. That's interesting. Um, yeah. And it's just the small things that I thought were really smart when I lived there. I was like, mm-hmm. I like that these people are using trains and there's no plastic. But then you come to Canada and things are different, but they're also lovely in a lot of ways. People are really kind. You know, I've, I've grown a lot of acceptance for slowing down and learning that it's actually okay to have a regular conversation with someone that isn't quick and business focused. Um, so taking little things from each culture was really valuable. And something like growing your own food and having animals, you don't really see that over there. Mm-hmm. Whereas here... A lot of people have grown up on hobby farms and a lot of people, you know, whether they're into hunting or gathering, um, there's more of that connection with the earth itself, whereas there the connection is more like a societal connection. Mm -hmm. And that is the biggest divide that I've noticed. That's a really interesting divide. So um, tell me a little bit about um, your chronic illness. Tell me what it is and everything about it. (laughs) Okay, so I actually have two chronic illnesses, and I was diagnosed with them all within the same time period. They're comorbid, so they go hand in hand with each other. So the first one is chronic fatigue syndrome. Um, We call it myalgic encephalomyelitis. It's a lot less common, like most people haven't heard of that term. Um, Basically, it's extreme unexplained fatigue that's not improved by rest. Um, And the biggest difficulty with something like myalgic encephalomyelitis is that your state changes minute to minute. You don't live on schedules, you live in patterns. You kind of have to relearn them. So what do you mean exactly minute by minute? Um, So for example, you can be completely fine one minute and then the next minute you can maybe knock it up or not walk or not see in yeah. my case you start to lose basic functions due to fatigue that it's kind of different than just being tired yeah because with your if you're tired you don't have trouble breathing or seeing or you yeah. know um you probably just go to sleep. Whereas when you're extremely fatigued, you're not tired, you're awake, you're just losing function. Yeah. So about a quarter of the people with chronic fatigue are actually bedridden. Um, Wow. Yeah. And for the first, I want to say like 10 months, I was as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah. um, The next thing that I deal with is what we call POTS. That's the easiest acronym. It stands for postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. And basically, 
my body and my heart has a lot of trouble regulating blood pressure. So I lose consciousness often. Um, I get like a mottled look on my arms, like a speckling. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's just a circulatory thing. How is someone diagnosed with that? Yeah, so it's actually a diagnosis of not having any other disease. So the way you are diagnosed with something like CFS is by not being diagnosed with anything else, but having symptoms. So for example, I have the fatigue, I have extreme pain throughout my whole body, Mm -hmm. I lose the consciousness, I have the mottled skin and stuff. Um, So I didn't have any issues with my blood. Mm -hmm. I don't have any issues with my skin. There's nothing tangible to grab onto. Yeah. Um, And so it's an exclusion diagnosis is what we call it. Okay. Yeah. And um, with postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, it's really interesting because it's actually when your heart rate climbs 30 to 40 beats when you're moving from a seated to standing position. So that's a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Your heart is racing. (laughs) Yeah, that is a lot because from a standing sitting, like that's kind of like a whoosh. Yeah, exactly. And so you, you learn how to adapt to your body having these kind of issues versus really changing it. Hmm. That's so interesting. So tell me a little bit about when you first started experiencing it. How old were you? Yeah, so I actually only first became symptomatic two and a half years ago. Okay, so quite recently. Yeah, it has been quite recent. And it's been it's been quite the journey. I used to think, you know, when I was first getting sick, I thought there was something wrong with me. I thought, you know, I was in a new career and we talk about burnout and um, I had just finished school and all of these amazing things were happening in my life. I got engaged. I had all of this wonderful stuff going on and I couldn't keep up. Mm -hmm. I was tired. I was lethargic. I was eating a ton or eating nothing. Mm -hmm. There was no in between. And I thought, you know, why, why can everyone have a job and live a life and do these things? And I have all these tools and I can't keep up. Mm -hmm. It it doesn't make sense to me. So I need to work harder. So I did that. I worked harder and I worked longer and I put more of myself into the areas I thought needed more time until I burnt out. And I think really I was kind of lost in a world that doesn't exist. Things were happening to me that I knew weren't normal, but just because they weren't happening to people around me, I thought it had to be an issue or like that I wasn't doing enough or working hard enough when really it it was all a sign to do less. Yeah. It was all a sign to slow down. Well, I think that's also, it's like a societal thing. Like right now we have normalized the whole idea that we're meant to be busy. Like the busier we are, the better it is. And that busyness is equivalent to success. I think that's like kind of becoming the new societal norm. Yeah. If you're not doing it all, you're not doing enough. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that you say that because for you, it was like a catching up game mm-hmm. essentially. Um, but in reality, like there was so much happening behind the scenes. Yeah. And when I realized that, you know, this was indeed an illness and we had to take different measures, we still didn't know what it was. It took me so long because chronic fatigue is something that not every doctor believes in. It's something that doesn't have a lot of research. It doesn't have a lot of studies. Um, So for a really long time, people were telling me it was in my head. And of course, I was like, of course it's in my head. I can't do my job. I can't do anything else. Like Mm -hmm. something is in my head. 
Um, and it was until I got put into see a specialist doctor who just looked at everything, like the human body from a different perspective, that I realized it didn't matter what it was. Yeah, It doesn't matter what your diagnosis is. What matters is what you do with it and how you live from that point on. Yeah. Because whether I have this illness or a different illness... I'm still compromised and I need to move up from there. Did it feel good to at least have kind of a diagnosis, like to have a label on it versus not knowing? It, it did because I didn't, when you're really, really sick, especially when I was that sick, like I was bedridden. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, my fiance would come home, carry me to the toilet so I could use it, put me back in bed and go back to work. That's awful to hear. I mean, it sucks to be put in a position where, you know, that's the extent that it goes to. How long was the process before you actually knew? I would say it was at least a year, if not longer. Wow. So you had all these symptoms for about a year and like that was your life. Yeah. I lived in bed. I slept about 18 hours a day. I didn't really eat because I didn't do anything. So why would I eat? You know, like my body wasn't hungry for anything Mm -hmm. other than sleep. Um, I began losing so many parts of my identity or what I thought was my identity anyway, Mm -hmm. because there was so much that I couldn't do anymore. And I felt so cheated. I was like, I'm, I'm fit. Like I was always into fitness. I eat really well. I, you know, again, I have a good job. I went to school, all the things that people say and still I'm in this position. And especially growing up with, I grew up with like a different mindset than most people. Uh, My mom, she's really into like herbal healing and healing through food and nutrition and fitness. And I grew up with what I thought was a really, really strong base. And so when I did get really sick, I thought, this is, this isn't fair. I've done it right. Why am I here? Yeah. And I think that that's really valuable because I think that everyone, it happens to the best of us. And I think that's really true when they say that, like it's, it can happen to any of us. Well, and I think that's so important to say because I don't think just because you're eating healthy, if you're doing all the right things, kind of crossing your T's and dotting your I's, I don't think that plays a huge factor into, um, I want to say like your health destiny really, because it's within a split of a second, anything can change. And I think there's so many things that like, underneath the surface level that we don't realize. Like I think eating eating well is important and exercising is important, but it's also in the mind. I'm a huge believer that your mind kind of facilitates that. So it's like what you're thinking is what is happening through your body. Like innately, like your thoughts of, am I getting sicker or am I getting better? Your body kind of gravitates towards those thoughts. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I like to call it mind over medicine, which yeah. I is guess. maybe not <laughs> the best thing to say, but I really do think again, yeah, when I first when I didn't have a diagnosis, I thought when I get my diagnosis, everything will be okay. Yeah. I will be better. Mm-hmm. Um and then I got my diagnosis and I was like, I, I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> and that was when I realized that your diagnosis doesn't dictate your healing at all. No, I think it's just a label and it just kind of, it normalizes it. Yeah. It was nice to know that honestly, I wasn't dying because for a little while, like that you go to the worst case scenario, especially Mm -hmm. over time. Yeah. Um, But I found that healing started when I stopped trying to be something that I wasn't. 
What do you mean? So when I stop looking for that diagnosis and I stop trying to go to work because everyone else goes to work Mm -hmm. and I stop trying to, you know, fit those societal norms and I just found acceptance for what had happened to my body. Mm -hmm. That's when I started healing. When I when I embodied being ill, I was able to move up from it. What was your position? So I was a registered massage therapist Mm -hmm. and I worked at a multidisciplinary clinic in Fall River. Did you like it? I loved it. I loved it. I love people, working with people to better themselves. Mm-hmm. I loved working with them to make them feel better. So yeah, it was it was wonderful. And that was the hard part as well, right? I loved my job. I loved working there. Um, if I could be an RMT right now, I would go back there. Yeah. So what do you do now? So now I try to influence people through my new vision for life. (laughs) And I am working really hard on just healing and embodying this change in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I I do think that managing a chronic condition is like a full-time job. Yeah. It takes everything out of you. It takes everything out of your family. Um, But it comes with a lot, a lot of good things because it helps you find a lot of compassion and empathy in ways that I don't believe you can find it without an experience such as this. Well, I I agree. And I think empathy comes with enduring struggle. I think that's when you really like that's when it sparks because it's hard for one to be empathetic towards an illness or even an experience if they've never experienced it. It's kind of like an individual can't fathom essentially what it feels like. So it's I really like that you're that you're showcasing all of that and you're documenting your whole journey experience because one of the first times I actually knew that you had a chronic illness was I was watching one of your stories and you were emotional in it mm-hmm. and you were expressing how, you know, you had to go to doctors and you had um, a very important appointment that you were going to. And I remember just thinking to myself, I was like, wow, like, first off, I wasn't digging, obviously, deep enough into your content to realize that that's, you know, your whole um, journey was. And I was like, wow, I had no idea she was struggling because you look so happy, like in your photos and all of that. And I was like, wow, I had no idea. And I remember messaging you and being like, I hope you're okay. (laughs) And, and, but that was like the moment that I was like, you really don't know when somebody is struggling. And then that's kind of when I started kind of keeping along with your journey and hearing about the struggles and some things like that. So tell me, I, I think a lot of people don't realize how, how your illness affects you. So tell me, me a little bit like on a day-to-day basis how your life goes yeah so that's actually a great question when I get up in the morning I take a minute to check in with myself which I think you should do whether or not you have a chronic illness but I do <laughs> I, yeah I assess my capacity for the day so I call it looking at my battery I'm like am I charged am I not am I in the middle and then it gets even more specific than that. I look into things like, what do I have capacity for? Do I have more physical energy or more social energy? Mm -hmm. And once I determine that, I kind of map a path for the day. So if I have more physical energy, 
I like to focus more on physical things. And if I have more social energy, it's more interaction or learning Mm -hmm. or something along those lines. But the thing that people don't realize with chronic fatigue is there's fatigue, but there's also a lot of pain that comes with it. Um, For me, that's a lot of joint pain and a lot of joint laxity. My joints move. They're very hypermobile. Um... And the pain I experience daily is probably my most, I don't know, the symptom that affects me the most um, is the pain. And it really means that like today I can be sitting here and recording this podcast episode with you and tomorrow I might not be able to get myself to the bathroom. And so when you say pain, like is it like a sharp pain? Like what kind of pain is it? It's deep. It's boring. It's in the joints. Mm -hmm. It's fairly specific. And it's neuropathic in nature, more of a nerve pain. Okay. Um, the things that are hard for me on a daily basis are activities of daily living. It's not running a marathon like that. I cannot do that ever. Um, so brushing my teeth, getting food into my body. It's do I have the energy today to eat or to wash? Which one do I need more? Am I dirtier or hungrier? And you start to understand yourself on a different level because you're starting to check into things before they come up. Well, it's interesting. It's like, it gives you a little bit, at least for myself, a bit of perspective, like obviously gratefulness and also like just being able to do those normal things without even giving it a second thought. For you, you have to put so much thought and planning into it. Like I have to decide essentially today what's a higher priority than the other and how does that like how do you often like what's what's your metric <laughs> my metric um so for most people i think everyone has a planner mm-hmm. i hope um, <laughs> but for most people planning a day it looks something like i have a meeting at this time i have to be at work at this time and i maybe have to get my child at this time mm-hmm. or whatever for me planning a day in my planner is make the bed drink water because something like drinking water for me has to be a plan because I have to get the water. I have to put it in a cup. It's heavy in my hand. I have to get it to my mouth. And then my body also has to process it internally. So like quite literally like the energy it takes to do like, it's not just the energy of like your body consuming the water, for example, like it's the energy of the whole process. The whole process. And that's why for a long time at the beginning, I wasn't eating very much. And the stuff I was eating was mashed or powdered or pureed Mm -hmm. because chewing, swallowing, um, your stomach acid, everything, (laughs) digestion in general takes so much energy for your body. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's, it's like charging your phone overnight and realizing it wasn't plugged in all the way. Well, I wake up at 30% every day and then I have to choose what I put that 30% into. Mm -hmm. And I I do, I make those decisions really differently than I used to because I have a lot less to give, Yeah. but what I'm giving feels a lot more meaningful. And And that's so powerful. So tell me about the meaning that you want to create. Yeah. So I think that I really just want to kind of divide health and wellness. Mm -hmm. I think that we look at health and wellness as one thing, and I understand that. But I think that you can be healthy and unwell, and I think you can be well and unhealthy. And I think for me, um, yes, I have these ailments and these other things I have to cater to, but I'm well, and I feel well. Yeah. And I got so tired of people telling me I wasn't well, because again, those things are very, very different for me. And I think that there's a real opportunity in every situation to understand yourself more deeply. 
Well, it definitely differs from one person to another. And I really like that you highlighted that because my well looks different than your well. When you said that, automatically the thought that came into my mind was, as everybody knows, I'm petite and very small and I love working out. Like it's just, it feels good. Like it's been a part of my life for ever since I can remember. And it's kind of like a stress reliever and a happy inducer and um, all of those things. But I always remember because it's a running joke in my family, but they'll say, they'll be like, no, why do you work out so much? Like, why do you eat so healthy? Like, you don't need to do that. Like you're you're thin, you're small, like, it's not an issue for you. But it's like, that's, that's not why I'm working out. And that's not why I'm eating healthy. Like, for me, it was never the physicality of it. It was how I'm feeling. Like when you eat healthy, and you're eating greens, and you eat shitty food, sugary, processed crap, like you notice the difference instantly within your mood, your energy levels, like all of that, it doesn't last. So to me, like that's honestly what just came up in my mind because I was like, huh, that's kind of like, it's similar, but it's different because Mm. for you, it was more like people telling you you're well. Whereas for me, it was people telling me I didn't need to be healthy. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Which is, And that's what I'm really trying to create with mapping wellness and with the hashtag map my well it's the point that wellness isn't one path and wellness isn't one word or one area or wellness is different for each of us mm-hmm. and i i don't think that you need to you know i don't know lift heavy and only eat chicken if you want to be well like i don't think that that is part of the definition anymore. I think we're moving away from it. And I find that really exciting that people are, you know, starting their own wellness adventures and deciding for themselves what makes them well and then sharing that. My 100%, I I couldn't agree more. What feels good for me might not feel good for you. And there's so many different factors that play a role in that. It was really hard at first. I thought I lost wellness, which was such a huge part of my life. And then I realized that losing something can just mean finding it somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And that is so powerful and special. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah, finding it in a different shape or form. Yeah, exactly. And I also really learned that finding something and knowing something doesn't mean you're applying it to your life. Oh, 100%. Those are very different things and it's really difficult. It's easy to know something. It's easy to know what to do and a lot harder to put it in motion and live it and embody it. But that acceptance and Doing that is what will get you to the end result. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about the path that you've taken. Yeah, so I think that I've found a lot lot of mental clarity in chronic illness because you get to know yourself on a level that just isn't traditional anymore. Um, I'm forced to know my needs before they come up. Because if I'm not planning ahead of my own needs, Mm -hmm. I fall behind. And I think that that is the beauty in chronic fatigue. (laughs) Um, I think that life brings us on journeys we'd never take if it were up to us. Oh, yeah. And I would never, who would, right, take this journey. But now that I'm in it, I wouldn't change it for the world. That's amazing that you can see such a positive and what a lot of people would see a negative. Yeah. That's probably the biggest way in which has influenced my wellness, right? Yeah. Well, and it's powerful. That's what that's what keeps your wellness journey progressing and what makes you as a whole better. So now that you're kind of at a better state than you were a year ago, how has your life shifted? Like what has changed? Oh, like everything. And 
it's changed in so many different forms. Um, I've found a lot of comfort in things that make other people uncomfortable. And mm, that's I, interesting. I think that that is one of the biggest change. I think that the area of disability that I'm in is gray. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's a silent illness, it's invisible. And I've never ever had to fight for something before mm-hmm. in the way that I do now societally. Um, I've never I've never had to fight to have a voice for something that people couldn't see. And now that I'm fighting for something um, and trying to navigate all these gray areas and finding comfort in things that make other people uncomfortable, mm-hmm. I just feel like myself more than ever. Yeah. And it, it's really interesting, too, because I think the most valuable thing you can do if you're on any sort of journey is to remember your why and find your why. Because for me, my entire wellness journey, pre-sick, during sick, currently, yeah. um, my why hasn't changed. And but I lost sight of it. For me, it's making be- people better versions of themselves and making myself a better version of myself. I want to make everyone that I interact with or meet think in a way they wouldn't have if they didn't come across me. And I think that's so powerful. And I think if you're looking to find the good in every situation and learn from it to mm-hmm. change yourself and better yourself, you're doing it like you're doing it. Yeah, you're doing you're doing pretty good in life. Yeah. <laughs> it what comes to mind for me is I think a lot of people don't discover what is missing from their life until they're kind of forced to or you're forced in that position. If it wasn't for this illness, you wouldn't have discovered perhaps different non-traditional um, routes to kind of improve your health and your wellness and that sort of thing because you're you're actively seeking for all of these things. Whereas if you've never experienced that before, it wouldn't be a thought that crossed your mind, right? Yeah, of course. There's so much you can learn from people around you and from yourself in any moment. Like even me, I thought if I could just get diagnosed, that'll be it. Mm-hmm. I'll be good. And then, no, my diagnosis was the beginning of my journey, not the end. Yeah. And just the, yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's... That's so powerful. I think that the mindset, if I have this, then that, yeah, is so negative. I think that, you know, the best moment is now and you don't need something to have something else. No. You can have it now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, exactly. But that's how so many of us live. Like we're living for, we're working towards something essentially. Like you're kind of taught that. Yeah. You know, the harder you work, the more you're accomplishing, right? And that's mm-hmm. that's the mentality everyone has. And going back to like the statement that I said earlier, like the whole thought process of you have to be busy, you have to be doing something to be working towards, you know, like an accomplishment, something greater. Yeah. And I think it, it goes even deeper. Some people start to say things like, if I get this job, I'll be happy. If I get this house, I'll be happy. If I get this partner, I'll be happy. But eventually you just outgrow what you thought you couldn't live without. And you continue to find yourself in the same spot. And it's not the spot you want to be in. Mm -hmm. But if you just listen to yourself in that moment and just say, if this, and, you know, throw out the then that, just do it now. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, And really experience the moment because by the time you take in that it happened, you're already outgrowing it. Well, exactly. Yeah. And it doesn't seem as meaningful anymore. Mm -hmm. A new thought process that I've adopted is if it doesn't happen or if you don't get the results that you were looking for, it was never meant to be anyways. Like there's something kind of in your future that's meant to be. 
And that's what's going to play a bigger impact and a bigger role as to who you are meant to be or what you're meant to experience. No, exactly. And that's why I think it's so important that you trust in your intuition and your journey because it really is one of those things that you don't see coming. You think you're, you know, you're on one path, you're ready to go, you've been living this way for so long, and then boom, out of nowhere, everything changes. And I think that that can teach you so much about yourself if you can approach it in the right way. Mm -hmm. It's just not easy. And it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work and a lot of hardship, but it's very, very valuable for you to be doing that. For sure. So for anybody who is experiencing symptoms of, you know, feeling lethargic or burnout or anything like that, what have you learned that you would recommend for anybody to maintain their health and improve their wellness journey? I think the biggest thing is to trust in your intuition. If you think there's something wrong, seek answers, seek help. But also, I think that, again, everyone's wellness journey is different, and it's up to you to find the things that really, really work on your wellness journey. Mm -hmm. You don't need a doctor to do it for you. You don't need a surgeon or whoever. I think that you need to take charge of your health and do your own research and your own studies and find the things that make you well Mm -hmm. because no one can do that work for you. I think it's one of those things in life that you have to do on your own. Nobody can walk that path for you, and it's one of the hardest ones. So tell me about it. It's I I actually (laughs) I love that you said that because my own wellness journey, like I've never I wasn't diagnosed with anything. Um, I've always been healthy, but it's been more of a a personal mental thing where it's you know you doubt yourself or you have insecurities or lack confidence or whatever the case may be. I think everybody at some point or another in their life experiences that. Um, And it happened to me at what I think was a pivotal moment for me because I was ready to grow into myself. Um, And shout out to Lisa O'Connor. She has an online program. So she lives in Toronto and she's all about going deep, like really deep, exploring mental patterns, thoughts, um, the way you live your life consciously, like with every action that you take, whether it be with food, with the words you say, or the actions that you do with so many different aspects. And Um, that has been a big, big part of my life recently, and it's going deep. (laughs) And it's one of those things that I think is scary for a lot of people. And it was scary for me because, like, I've never done that before. And for me, like, I always had just thought, you know, I was quote unquote normal, like I was experiencing natural stuff. And again, like I said, everybody goes through that at some point in their life. But what I had discovered was that there was so many, like there were so many packed emotions and experiences in my life where I just like shoved them down. It happened to me and I just never, never dealt with it in a healthy way. Um, And I think that's where my wellness journey kind of evolved because It wasn't that I was unhealthy, but I had unhealthy habits. Yeah. And this is, again, why I'm trying to make bridge between health and wellness, because I think that you can, even like you were saying, like, why would you need to eat healthy? You're thin. Well, again, it's not all about that. It's not all about how it looks. Yeah. Um, And I, I do think that there are toxic thought patterns in each of us. Yeah. And 
I, I think it's ridiculous that as a society, we try to conceal these things when they're such, such a part of being human and such a valuable part of being human. I mean, those journeys we go on within our own consciousness are, they are, to me, living, mm-hmm. right? Well, yeah, because that's what triggers what you say, what yeah. you do, <laughs> your actions, right? Yeah, the rest is just noise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, quite literally. What is, what's next for Jessica? Next for me, I want to continue to grow this community for sure. I've already made so many wonderful connections and I want to continue to speak on wellness and encourage people to find their own definition and paths through wellness. Um, I think that, again, media is so powerful for this because you can connect with people at any time who are going through something similar. Mm -hmm. And I think in my wellness journey, that's been a huge, huge help to know that there are other 20-year-olds who can't walk to the bathroom, you know, has made me come to acceptance a lot sooner. So I want to continue to give that to people and to, you know, show people that really gratitude and trusting yourself and your intuition is a part of wellness and healing. And I I think it's so important that you know you have healing and health within yourself. Mm -hmm. You don't have to outsource that consistently. No. Yeah. And that's that's the message I want to continue to kind of spread out there. And I want to encourage people to find their own wellness roots because it is different for all of us and there isn't one way to do it. No. And a a point that you brought up was being 20 and experiencing those symptoms and, you know, not being able to walk to the bathroom. I think that's important because a lot of us have this idea that it's when we're older, we're going to be faced with this and a false reality that this is going to be our reality at whatever age that we're at. Um, And I think that's important because you're absolutely right. There's there's not a time in your life where this is going to happen. There's where, you know, this is going to be the worst part and this is going to be the best part. It's um, it's mapped differently and it looks differently for everybody. So I really like that you said that because, again, going to the point, like everybody's journey differs and how it looks like for one person is completely different than and than the next. And it's ever evolving. I think that wellness changes throughout your life. I think that, you know, the way you're well at 15 is going to be different than you're well at 25 and oh at gosh, 40 yeah. and whatever. But that baseline of being well mm-hmm. is achievable and it's achievable for all of us. Yeah. Oh, for sure it is. And I think going to another point that you had said, um, health and being well and the power of that is within us. I discovered this like documentary like not too long ago, a few months ago. And it was, um, I think it was like food is medicine or something along the lines of that. Okay. But what they did like throughout the documentary is they had multiple cases of people dealing with different illnesses and diseases. And, um, you know, some people with cancer, some people with uh, Lyme disease, whatever the case may be. And they documented their journey, but it wasn't a traditional journey. Like it was, they went to a naturopathic doctor, they went to a medium, they went to a spiritual doctor, they went to so many different practitioners. And a lady who had like stage four cancer, like healed. And, and they say, like they're at the documentary, that it wasn't what she was doing. But it was what she was essentially like what she was fostering in her mind and in her life and what she was adopting to be like a positive mindset, like a hopeful one, like Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Making the best out of every situation. Yeah. Yeah. And it's scientifically 
proven. I mean, so is gratitude, right? Yeah. I mean, gratitude makes what you have enough. Mm -hmm. And I can't, like, I could say that six times a day because it's so true, right? It's, It's making something out of what you already have. Yeah. Yeah. So when I say a word, you tell me immediately what comes to mind. The first word that the comes to mind. The first word that comes to mind. Okay. Heck. Calm. Hectic. Summer. Winter. Skincare. Nutrition. Health. Wellness. Evolution. Growth. Growth. Expansion. Fresh. Old. Mindset. Powerful. Success. Slow. Happiness. Warmth. Possibilities. Experience. Dreams. Achievements. So what is your favorite word? Uh, Weltenbummler. Ooh, what's that? It's a German word. Um, it's one of the first words I was kind of introduced to as a child that I thought, like, this is what I want. And it means window shopping the world. And that is just how I see my walk through life. Huh. Like I'm just window shopping the whole world. And I don't think that word exists in English. That's no. why I... I mean, I think observer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kind that's of a, a good one. <laughs> a close I one. just love that idea of window shopping because mm-hmm. you're just still within yourself, but taking it all in. Yeah. Yeah. That is powerful. Um, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Yoga teacher. That's a good one. I, I thought about that. that. Yeah. Um, what are you not very good at? Staying quiet. <laughs> I, I have a lot to say. I have a lot of opinions. I like well, to get you're at a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? I would get rid of people's self self-doubt. That's a good one, actually. I, I mean, no matter how successful or confident you are, I think everybody has a level of self-doubt. Yeah, and I think it's what holds us back the most. Mm-hmm. True. Um, what's your favorite 90s jam? Anything like TLC. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was the last gift you gave someone? I gave a book. Oh, what kind? What book? It was. It's called Becoming Supernatural, I believe, mm-hmm. and it's just about how the ordinary people are doing the inordinary. Interesting. Yeah. How would you rate your memory? I honestly like an eight out of ten. I'm a really good memory. <laughs> I, I can't attest to that. <laughs> I have probably the worst memory. Um, this is an interesting one, and it's the last one. Um, describe the color yellow to somebody who is blind. Okay, so if you can picture being outside on a warm day and feeling the warmth of the sun, smelling fresh lemons, maybe that's where I'd leave it. Warmth of the sun, the smell of fresh lemons. That it's I think yellow that's pretty an, an accurate description. <laughs> well, thank you again so much for being on the show. Where can people find you? Thank you so much for having me. So you can find me at Mapping Wellness on um, Instagram and most other social media sites. And I also have a blog, mappingwellness.com. Thank you so much for listening. Want more? Don't forget to subscribe and to leave a comment below. Stay connected by following us on Instagram at shimi.co.